Hello and welcome to another edition of the Casual and the Diehards. My name is Eric Jensen, joining you on uh, today, February 21st. This will come out February 22nd. We are past the All-Star break, folks. Joining me, of course, as always, Audrey Nations and Ethan Pierce. Folks, we got through half of it. We are, we're... I, I call this the halfway point of the NBC, NBA season, even though I know we're a little bit past that. But uh, the All-Star break does feel like, you know, a point. Teams start playing, like, more regularly now. Like, I'm pretty sure over the next month, like, every team plays at least three times a week, which is pretty cool. And, yeah, we're, we're here in the middle of the season, the off season for the NFL, so... Um, the NFL podcast will be back next week, but this week I thought it, it, it'd be worth doing a little uh, look at the second half of the season on this podcast. We'll talk a little bit about All-Star Weekend as me and Ethan were here over the weekend. We'll talk about what we kind of learned and, and found out from All-Star Weekend being in our city. That was pretty cool. And then uh, we'll get do some second half superlatives. Just go around the horn and do some talk about some of the best teams in each conference uh the most fun teams to watch down the the stretch but my personal favorite that i'm deeply curious to see what people say bad team that might secretly be good next year uh all these things will be discussed we won't talk about the weirdest that's fair from uh, uh another one and then we'll give out some uh some awards probably from all-star weekend and uh we'll give audrey a chance to give some trade deadline uh winners and losers as she was not with us last time around all right i've talked for too long audrey how you doing i'm doing great i'm excited for the post all-star nba season especially with how tight everything is in the west especially it's going to be fun to see where everybody finally lands Yes, Ethan, how was All-Star Weekend for you? Let's just get into it here. I mean, All-Star was good. I personally didn't get the chance to go to anything. I I sent a couple of my writers to smaller events um, throughout the weekend, but nothing crazy. Um, Cool to see everybody, you know, head to Salt Lake, everybody giving their takes on on the nightlife here and, uh, you know, or the lack thereof, if you ask, you know, depending on who you ask, but uh you know, we're in the spotlight for a couple of days. Always cool to see everybody kind of talking about your city, but you know, it is what it is, right? Yes, absolutely. Downtown Salt Lake uh, was popping, got out, uh, saw some things, didn't get to any of the actual like NBA events, did want to go to crossover. That seemed like it would be kind of fun, uh, but I went with my other 20-something friends that came into town and you know like a bunch of 23 year old dudes i should you know this is not characteristic of eric i should i like to plan things i like to be in control and have things way ahead of time i did not buy tickets though yeah. ahead of time uh got to got to the door tickets were sold out that was disappointing but hey i got a sick all-star uh hat i did not find the all-star sl comma ut shirts 
I, I I saw some being rocked around. I wanted to find it so badly. I'm hoping that in like four months from now, I, I can walk into a Sabres and maybe find a few laying around or, or the DI or something. I think uh, you should live your own dream and commission somebody on Fiverr to make one for you and just get your own SLUT design going. <laughs> if you were really an entrepreneur, you would have had that going before All-Star Weekend. You would have been hucking t-shirts out there yeah. and you would have been able to buy your way right into that event. Yeah, it was so funny to see the internet discover that acronym because I was yeah, gonna say I, I've seen it everywhere for my entire yeah. life, and now everyone's like, "Hire the graphic designer, whoever made this." Is like they were in on the joke, man. Yeah, this, this has been a thing in Salt Lake for years. I just wanted an All Star Slut trip. That's all I wanted. We all want to be sluts in Salt Lake on the weekend, but <laughs> don't not, we all? Don't not we everyone all. can get tickets, sadly. Uh, but no, I, you know, I ended up doing other stuff like we have like real concerts in the city that was kind of cool yeah i was gonna say what was the vibe in the city like was it like noticeably like fuller with people like well i'll I'll say this i learned this about the nba all-star game the nba all-star game is not for nba fans it is for like the ultra rich like sneaker execs and like player agents who basically descend on the city and are like okay we got to talk brand strategy for the second half of the year. And like, I'm flying out my three families to this event and like, let, let's just all go nuts in Deer Valley and then stay in the Salt Palace Hotel, which looks very swanky, by the way. Uh, brand new Salt Palace Hotel, Audrey. Huge. Absolutely. They've like, they wrecked like the second half and then they built like, God, it's got to be like 45 stories of hotel. And it's like, it's Man. it's it's crazy. It got real classy ever since it, I left. It's crazy modernized, and like you see all these black suburbans, like people popping in and out of there, hanging around there. I did see some cool people. I'll get to who I saw in a little bit, but um, yeah, but you know it it it's definitely not for like your typical fan. But it was cool to walk around downtown. Every bar I liked got bought by the NBA and was like tickets only to get in. And uh, yeah, so, so that that was kind of a bummer. And uh, but I mean, I ended up going to like this loud, like in the warehouse district or something. I ended up going to like this loud, like EDM slash house concert in a, a very hazy night that ended at, around. 3 a.m. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. We on this podcast endorse going to random warehouse clubs and taking pills that people give you and just seeing what happens. Yeah, no pills, but <laughs> Eric Jensen, known fan of random pills. That's right. The amount of times I've seen this man pick a couple E off the floor and just start snorting like a man. Man, good times. Yeah, yeah, you know me. I love my drugs. But um, no, I saw some famous people. That was kind of cool. Yeah, who'd you see? Name drop, name drop. So, so, okay, okay. I have stories of some famous people I didn't see that my friend saw and some stories of famous people I did see personally. So we'll start with uh, me. The most famous person I saw was Detlef Schrimm. That, I, oh, I, hey. Yeah, I, 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 saw, I saw him. Uh, I actually said, hey, he was a nice guy. Uh, I saw... It's because it's hard to miss him. I did see walking into the hotel Shaquille O'Neal. So that hey. that, that was kind of cool. 
Uh, through the hotel window, I saw Walker Kessler and Jordan Clarkson eating dinner together. So that that was, you know, that was kind of cool. Um, but the story of the weekend goes to my friend Jordan, who while picking up like a 12 pack of beers for some pregame somewhere, uh, ran into Giannis just straight up at a 7-Eleven, uh, which that just sounds so cool. And uh, yeah, so. Not bad, not bad. Wow. Yeah, apparently Jason Tatum ended up at J-Dogs on Saturday signing stuff for people from like one to four. Of course, I was in my Jason Tatum jersey and didn't find <laughs> out until like 5 p.m. And, oh. and by then, so it, it was too bad. I would have liked to get a chance to have seen Jason Tatum. Uh, but well, no. hey, the good news is, I mean, lots of celebrities just like hanging out in Salt Lake anyway. So I'm sure he'll be back just, you know, hanging out all summer like people love to do in yeah. Utah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's going to come back. You'll get another chance, Eric. Yeah, I know. It, it, some uh, the honest thing kills me because oh yeah, that's pretty next level. <laughs> it would have been sick to me. Like, I, you know, and I did think, you know, if I run into LeBron James this weekend, what am I going to tell him? And, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was probably going to be like, hey, man, could I get a picture for my friend who's a big fan? And then I thought, (laughs) and then I thought, yeah, that'd be pretty mean. And then I thought the other thing I could do is like take a picture. And then as I walked away, just whisper, be like, like no just the, you need yeah. to you need to bring him uh big mickey mouse ears from disneyland oh and, and hand it to him and say here you go lebron i like how Le in mickey. these fantasies you're able to get within 10 feet of lebron james for some reason <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah but they they you know that, they, they were they were nice like getting ready in the morning fantasies to have about like what am i gonna what am i gonna do while i'm getting ready for this big night out oh maybe i'll go troll the lebron james well, Pusha you can T say that Pusha T was in Salt Lake, though. I did hear that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, guess. some 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 big names, some big musicians going through. How did uh, I, I wonder? I I was laughing when I saw that uh, Burnaboy and Thames was the halftime show. I was thinking you probably couldn't have picked two artists that the people of Utah know less about than than those two. Yeah, I personally don't know who either of those are. Case in point. So yeah, I yeah. Mean, that 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 was so i know travis scott and his crew were doing big concerts here um it's it's just nice to see that like no matter how how many celebrities show up it, it was still such a utah of a crowd and I, I really enjoy my league pass being able to watch jazz games and and seeing the jumbotron cam during commercials because it just makes me nostalgic because no matter how celebritized the crowd was at any given moment they look up and it's just some random white dude just double fist in a chick-fil-a sandwich yeah. looks like straight out of the ward and i'm like you know what that's my guy that's utah right there always on the jumbotron cam you especially at jazz games you have to play spot the non-white guy oh and god it, it takes like way impossible difficulty impossible level honestly it's though, just, we're everywhere can't think of a better spot for NBA legend Mac McClung to win the dunk contest. Then, <laughs> like, it, just like perfect day to be like, look, like, yes, your average white dude from the Warball League could win the NBA dunk contest. I gotta if say, they really got the athleticism. Yeah, they're making a remake of White Man Can't Jump right now, and hey, couldn't advertise better than that. Get, it get was Mac really fun in to on see. That. 
Yeah. And I think the most impressive part about Mac McClellan's dunk contest performance to kind of shift into to that was how he hit every dunk on the first try. Like that is so hard yes, to do. He did. And that's something and, you so rarely see in, in modern er, in any dunk contest is getting it on the first try and he nailed him. Yep. That, that that's I think a big part of why he won, because you know, you see guys missing first, second, third dunk. It just it really loses the luster on a lot of these. So uh, you know, glad to see Mac put it put all four of his dunks down because um that was a good that was a good dunk contest. Yeah, and I like the oh go ahead, Eric. I didn't watch most of a dunk contest. I just saw snippets of a replay, but Mac McClung was impressive. I though do think that like we're getting so close and like the big stars do just say it for clickbait every year. But one of these years, someone that like people actually know is going to participate in the dunk contest. One of these yeah, years. That's how it used to be. That back in the day you'd have you'd have a lot of stars doing that. But I, think I mean now it's not really I, a priority. I think what we really have to wait for is like probably three years down the line when LeBron's getting like kind of semi-washed and like you know it's kind of the end of a run and he's got like maybe a year left. I think maybe like his last year in the league, LeBron would do the dunk contest. I'd like to think so, but I, I don't see it. Honestly, I think the I think at this point with how the NBA is and with the amount of work required to get ready for the dunk contest, and especially after seeing like snubs uh, in the last couple of years, you know, like so kind of inconsistent ratings on some pretty incredible dunks. I think stars would rather just do the three-point contest if they're going to do anything. It seems like lower effort and and it seems to be just as fun i mean it, it was great seeing um seeing stars get involved in other parts of the weekend though so watching Giannis coach the celebrity i don't know if either of y'all watched the celebrity yeah game. i did yeah. watching Giannis coach that was, man, that was a blast he the league is so lucky to have him as like kind of the next like face of the league because he is just he couldn't be couldn't be a, a more positive energy to be around unless you're a ladder yeah i mean he he was <laughs> the the Hold on, sorry, I gotta put my other earbud in because the cat's going crazy. Um, so I thought he really bought like the best part of the all-star draft was the fact he was he was doing the drafting because like sure he was corny athlete funny, but like at least he actually came prepared with like some entertaining stuff where LeBron was all just like canned and way too planned out. And like the, the whole like John Morant thing was, was like kind of funny. Yeah. And I, I you know, he, he's just a likable person. And I, you know, I feel like uh, any, anybody who, who's, you know, wins a championship and then goes to Chick-fil-A and immediately orders like 50 chicken nuggets. Like I, I'm about that kind of guy, like that, that, that guy and I yeah. get along. And I like overall too. Like speaking of the of the draft, I like what they did with the format and and just overall, I'm really I'm really happy with the NBA's willingness to make big drastic changes to these events year after year. And it's really I feel like keeps it fresh. It might be a little bit more confusing on the back end for casual fans. I certainly had to explain to my dad the uh, the format of the scoring in the game, but I thought the draft in front of a live crowd was perfect. I think Eric's right. Like it was definitely corny athlete funny, but I think both LeBron and Giannis did a great job. Um, and even, even through that weird hot mic moment with the inside the NBA crew, still don't know what that was quite about. That was a little bit awkward with, with the three of them kind of sitting over there, but 
I love the draft. I love being able to see the players on the stage and see them being reacting to like to the other players getting drafted. I love that Jokic just was refused to be picked last and just walked his way over there. That was really funny. I think it introduced uh, some personality to it and in, in, in a really good way. And, and it made it feel like a street ball game. Like they just picked him right there. You know, there's no planning. There's no prep. It's just go out there and ball. And it was fun. It was awesome to watch Jason Tatum go off too. You know, a new new record for points. I think I think it was a good all-star game, even if the game itself was a little bit boring at times. You gotta have the reserves go last Like I, I think I the get, idea of that though yeah, is I that you don't the, want a guy to get picked last. Right. But, but who but, cares, but look, man? But they look can handle what ended it. up happening there. Not only did the reserve last guys still get picked last. And, and they still kind of made a big deal about it. Poor Lori Markinen's just sitting there on the stage while Nikola Jokic like waltzes on over to LeBron and everyone's like, oh yeah. yeah. Lori Markinen doesn't even get his name called. Like that, come on. Like I, I read that Jokic got here? confused and thought that he was the last pick. That he like didn't realize that Markinen was still up. That's there. and so I, that's I, why I Jokic that walked. That is up. That's somehow so funnier. Stupid. Lori Markinen is a seven footer. Like, what are you? I talking mean, look, about? big big stage, first time doing stuff. There's gonna be slip up. I, I get it. That's extra. Know. It is extra painful because it's it's the Utah guy and his first time selection. I don't know if it was too big of a deal. I think it was. I think it was a lot of fun. I'm, I, I, I'm not I, saying it was a huge deal. I'm just saying, you know, it's like yeah, no, yeah. he and he definitely deserved his flowers, and I'm glad to see that the Jazz. Uh, had a lot of love for him. I was really happy to see them, you know, really cheering on Donovan Mitchell. I didn't really expect anything different. Like, obviously, he was going to have a good homecoming. I love that uh, Dame wore his Weber State jersey. That was cool. That yeah. was really awesome. I, I, I really like that he he poured into the hometown hero thing. I love that the uh, halftime when they introduced the former NBA stars into the game for the celebrity game, uh, it was Carlos Boozer. And I don't know if y'all were watching that, but the, the crowd at the Huntsman Center booed him. They have not forgotten... They still hate that man. I was I lost my mind when I saw him in that tunnel. I was like, I cannot believe they convinced Carlos Boozer to come out here. He must be broke as hell. Cause why would he come do this? Yeah, uh, that was wild. And, and then it's you know it's always the unfortunate fact that like it does suck though every single time that one of these big events happen that like. But Jazz, like, their two biggest legends are just, like, absolutely shit human beings. Like, people that you cannot celebrate and or root for and or call the face of your franchise in any way, shape, or form anymore are, yeah. are like, your two biggest stars that have statues. And that's, to it's me, that always, that always just pisses me off. Because it's like, and, no. and it, like, the Stockton stuff, okay, you can have your opinions about COVID. That's fine. Like, very crazy right-wing people out there. But, like, Carl Malone, you've known he's been a bad guy literally since he's played here. Yeah, and like the whole time. And, like, yet you still have his number retired, and you still have his statue. And, and you're inviting like, him back for, like, public events. Well, like, he, he was, like, the face doing? of the whole weekend because they put him up it on stage with Kareem and LeBron, and he was a dunk contest judge. Like, he was everywhere. No, and it's it's embarrassing that the Jazz have committed to him like that. Like, it, I mean, it's it truly shows you that like if you play well, they're willing to look past anything. Um, yeah, it's funny, Eric. Kind of to your point where you're alluding to there, like the Stockton stuff is bad, but somehow it looks like so candy ass when you like compare it to like. And, and somehow for anybody who's out there listening that doesn't know, um, you know, there's serious subjects here. But Carmelo, when he was 20 years old in college, 
uh, raped and impregnated a 12-year-old girl uh, who went on to have that baby um, and obviously fucked her life up forever. Uh, and then he essentially just disowned that child and had nothing to do with with her or the kid. He, just god-awful way, stuff. And was an NFL defensive lineman. Yeah. I just learned that this yep. weekend. Yep. yep. Yeah, the kid went on to be in the NFL. So just like... And John Stockton's had some very questionable, like, racist stuff in the past, I believe. Definitely, like, the anti-vasher stuff's kind of an out-there, like, weirdo. But, like, again, like, com- like that's the kind of stuff you can get grit your teeth and be like, all right, it's John Stockton, everybody. But, like, it is inexcusable for the Jazz organization and the NBA to continue to honor Carl Malone. Not just, like, have his name retire, which is already egregious, but to keep, to trot him out at these events and pretend like nothing's going on. Like that is. And and the funny thing for me is it's not even like Malone is like a widely beloved guy outside of Utah yeah. either. Like most NBA fans are are out on him completely. Like people know about th- this stuff that he's done and, and he, he's not in good favor with the majority of NBA fans. Nor so should he be. I, I'm and, not sure why they continue to. Even like the fan base, like, the jazz fan base, either it's super old, crotchety Mormon guys who just refuse to believe that stuff exists, or the rest of the fan base, because Salt Lake City is just kind of a liberal city, it, it, like, really doesn't like the fact that, like, he's still part of the team culture. And it's I just don't even really, know if you can chalk it up to liberal and conservative. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things really that weird. I feel like... The only people who at this point like are still like positive on Carmelo alone just have to be completely unaware that it happened. Cause like that's not even a partisan thing. Like I get like with the Stockton stuff how that could get partisan, but like with Malone, like there's no gray area there. Like it's it's pretty egregious. I mean, he should be like he shouldn't be sitting in the you know, he should be sitting on fucking Rikers Island right now. Like, I don't know why on earth he is allowed to just be a celebrity. Like it is it is nauseating that that can that that can happen. Yeah. I mean, and he, you know, he sat down and he did his, like, it is just, like, stupid because, like. Yeah, it's and embarrassing. Can, and, like, it's, like, even worse because I don't know if, you know, you're probably not as plugged into the local media here still, Audrey. I don't know if you follow any of, like, the jazz beat writers for the Trib or whatever. But Eric Walden did a sit-down with him over the weekend with Carl Malone. And, like, he straight up ducked the questions about, like, like he just, like, refused to even acknowledge it existed. Like, there was no remorse. No yeah. Nothing. It's almost like Deshaun Watson levels of gross. And it's, like, where, yeah. like, you know you've done this really abhorrent stuff to other human beings and you refuse to even acknowledge it. It was just... It, it was something else. I mean, he, it, it, it does kind of suck to have to, like, memorialize him somehow, some way. But the one thing is, like, the statue, I just can't really, yeah. like, I can't really understand that. Because, like, if you're Ryan Smith and your new ownership, especially after this weekend, you have to think about, like, taking that down. Because, like, let's be honest, jersey numbers nobody cares about Jersey numbers being retired or really looks up in the rafters at an NBA game. Agreed. It's just like an afterthought, but to put a fucking statue of the guy in front of your fucking stadium is like after like what he did, like, it's just like, and knowing what he did, it's like, it's it's like an unironic endorsement of child rape, which is like sounds dramatic, but is literally the truth. And it's, it's why I think you're right. Like nobody's going to notice if if they took the Jersey at the Raptors tomorrow, people probably wouldn't notice for like two months. 
But like, yeah, the statue and there's a street named after him right in front of the stadium, I believe. Like egregious, egregious behavior. The, the sad thing is the Jazz are never going to do anything about it because he's one of the only parts of on-court success that they've had in their franchise. Like the Jazz have been good for a long time, but what are they going to, they're going to build a Gordon Hayward well, statue, Donovan Mitchell yeah. for five years, Darren Williams, like. And not to mention like, they've dug themselves into the hole by ignoring it up to this point that taking down the Jersey or taking down the statue is an acknowledgement that not only that you understand that he did this, but that you were willing to put up with it for as long as you did until like public pressure became like too much. So, you know, like I think taking it down at this point is an acknowledgement of like, Oh yeah, we knew it was bad, but we didn't give a fuck. But Cause he like, he, he got a success. I'll make a counter argument there that there is like a small time window because Ryan Smith has only been the owner of the jazz for like a season and a half. If after all this first, pushback of carl malone blowback which there was a lot over all-star weekend nationally like yeah. you could like this off season just quietly be like okay we're taking that statue down like yeah i think i mean you mentioned the the culture war stuff too i think that is where it might actually become partisan i mean i think there's like kind of a, a kick trigger in a lot of uh, a lot of people in this country when you start taking statues down of any kind and i think uh i mean not to say that they shouldn't do it because of that but like I think that I think that's I mean surely Ryan Smith and the ownership team have had this conversation in greater depth many times. And I would kill to be a fly on that wall to 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 watch them make their pros and cons list for keeping up the Carl Malone statue. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. It's pretty gross, but gross. you know, we should we should probably talk about something else because we're just gonna we'll, we'll just we'll be in on this. On that in note, this let's talk about basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yay. Yeah, it's gross and weird. Yeah. Um Second half superlatives. Let's just do this. We're about, you know, halfway through. I figured we just have some talk. You know, let's start here. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Best team in the Eastern Conference. Ethan, go ahead. So I have heard a lot of buzz on the Boston Celtics this season. Makes sense coming off a finals appearance, best record in the league, although only by half a game now. The Bucks are right on their tail. Um, and I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks as the best team in the East because I simply trust them more in the playoffs. Um, I think that they have a roster better built for success. I, I believe that their star rises to the occasion of the big moments. We've seen it from Giannis before. Tatum, I thought, did not play well in the finals last season. So um, I'm going to go with Milwaukee, who I trust the most come playoff time. I'll disagree there. I, I'm pretty ingrained in the Celtics this year. Uh, I, I do think just the way Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are playing right now. And I mean, like Derek White, he's like, he's starting to kind of come into his own on, on like the, on like the roster again. And like, Malcolm go, Brog- by the way. yeah, Malcolm Brogdon's kind of finding like his spots here and there. He was having a hard time fitting in at the beginning of the year, but he's starting to get more consistent now. And I mean, like, they have guys like Hauser who, like, occasionally just, like, get really hot from three. And, like, they're just a deep, good basketball team that defends. And I don't know. Anyone that defends, you know, just gets me a little hot and bothered. I, I love teams that defend. And, I mean, the Celtics just defend. And they they play good offense. And they've got a next-level all-star in Jason Tatum and – Sure, you could say he didn't play well in the finals. Okay, when it mattered in the Eastern Conference Finals, 
against Giannis Antetokounmpo, like he took care of business and he showed up in the big spots there. And that's the other thing. I, you know, I was listening to the Bill Simmons show the other day, and I get it. Bill Simmons, Celtics fan, he's gonna have his slants or whatever. But like he did make a good point. Like, this is what like the timetable was sped up for them last year. Like they got to the finals, they saw, hey, we can do this. And this year, they just act like a professional basketball team. They just act like, hey, we're here to win. We're here to catch our W's on the road. We're here to stay healthy. And when we get into the playoffs, we're going to go win the title. And I think they have the best chance to win the title. I was thinking about putting in some NBA futures bets over the next few days here. I think the Celtics to win the title is such shitty odds right now. But I think, you know, I'd take the Celtics to win the title right now. I think they're the best team in the NBA. I mean, and one thing to kind of bolster that as well for the Celtics is, I mean, what they've done in the face of adversity. I mean, it's kind of hard to look back and remember this now, but they had a really rocky start to the season, a very tumultuous offseason in which their head coach was kind of unexpectedly and unceremoniously fired a couple days before training camp. Uh, they they spent a lot of the season without Robert Williams, without some of their other pieces that have been out for injury reasons. Uh, and, and the fact that they've managed to stay good all season, I mean, you can't really say the same for other contender-level teams. Uh, for example, my, my Phoenix Suns for a long time there, they went on, I want to say, a 5-17 and 17 run uh, because they, you know, they lost Chris Paul and Devin Booker and some of these other guys to injuries and weren't able to glue it together with the backup squad. The Celtics didn't have that drastic of injury problems, but we're still able, I think, to handle it better than a lot of teams I've seen this year. And when, just like every year in the NBA, when injuries are the name of the game and staying consistent, no matter what roster you have to put out there, uh, I think I think they're doing great things. Uh, add that to the fact that the that Joe Mazzullo just got the official, uh, he's officially the head coach now, no more interim. I think that gives them a lot of confidence going into the offseason. And I think you're exactly right. They're playing like they're supposed to be there. They're walking around like, oh, yeah, we went to the finals. We can do this. We are seriously in this conversation. It's showing. And on top of the fact that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continue to take steps year after year and become better and better and better and better players, I think y'all are right. I think they are the best team in the East, and I'm, I am I truly believe they're going to make it out this year for sure, once again. Mm, yeah. I, I think that, honestly um... – what I want to do here is change this up a little bit. We'll just talk about in the best team conversations, just the top four seeds, just because I I think that's kind of fascinating to take a look at as I pull up the NBA standings here. Um, so the Sixers. I don't know how to feel about the Philadelphia 76ers because I like them. I hear good things about them. And then I see games like what happened like about a week and a half before the All-Star game where like they go to Orlando or Orlando comes to Philly and like Harden starts playing like weird ISO ball hard and the team just kind of gets static in the half court offense. And then suddenly Paulo and the Magic are there to like beat the brakes off you basically. And it's like those kind of games they just worry me a little bit. It worries me that Tyrese Maxey is not playing the way he played in last year's playoffs. It worries me that like, it looks like he's regressed as a player or like they don't 
trust him as much in the offense, even though that's when they were at their best last year was when he was getting the ball and being a driving factor on offense. And then, I mean, it's, you know, James Harden's fine, but like, what is James Harden at this point? And like, how far can Joel Embiid drag you? And like, sure, you can go trade for like Jalen McDaniels or whatever his name is and, and get better at like three and D, but like, ultimately, do you, do any of us think they have the firepower to keep up with a box or a Celtics team? I just don't don't see that happening personally. People get suckered into the 76ers every single season because they do they have these stretches in the regular season where it's like Embiid's playing like the MVP and you know it's been hard in the last two years, other guards, other seasons, Tyrese Maxey's this young up and coming guy, whatever. I just the playoffs are a completely different sport than the regular season. They just are. And the way that the Sixers play is not conducive to winning in the playoffs. The the refs tighten up. There's not as many fouls called. You have to make the big shots in order to win the games. And Philly, just in my opinion, they're not built to do that because Harden and Embiid, all they do is hunt for fouls. They hunt for contact over and over and over again. We've seen it with Harden for 10 years now. We've seen it with Embiid for five, six seasons. This is why they lose every single season in the playoffs. I don't believe in Doc Rivers as a head coach. I don't believe in Embiid or Harden as the superstar of a team. I don't think they have enough depth to carry them there. Their one shot was like five or six years ago when they had Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard hit that shot to, to send the Toronto Raptors to the finals. That was the Sixers window. And I just don't think they're going to win other than that. Uh, you know, like, I, I definitely agree most of the way. I think, I don't know. I, I, I want the Sixers to be good. I, I like James Harden personally, like I, I, which is a very unpopular NBA opinion. I definitely agree that they are god-awful to watch. The foul baiting is out of out of control, uh, Embiid especially. Um, that being said, I, I don't know. I think I think they might be a little underrated in this book but like you said like it's every year it's the same thing it's like oh my god they've got all the pieces they've got the coaching and they got this and that and then it just never happens i agree with you i don't think doc rivers is all that i think he's still writing on uh 2008 boston and i i i would i would love for them to prove me wrong but i'm afraid i have to agree that it's just it, it's probably not going to happen and then like that puts them in a very awkward spot because they they have a lot of they have a lot on the line with with this team. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can put anything together. I hope they do, but like you're right, like if you look at them in a, in a in a vacuum, they look really good, but then their matchups against some of these other contenders are really worrying. Um yeah, I I ugh, I, I hope they prove me wrong. I I'd love to see Harden get a ring. I'd love to see Embiid have a ring, but I just don't know if it's this year. Yeah, I mean, I the Sixers are just a really interesting basketball team to me. And it just, it just does seem like, because like they've kind of got like that, like jazz arc from a few years ago, where it's like, here's this like pretty decent regular season team, that like get some big wins and has bits and spurts, but like they probably can't make it past the second round of the playoffs. If we're just being completely honest with ourselves. I mean, like, you never know. Like, like I said, like in you know, injuries happen, or like they they get favorable matchups. Like people can make a run, but like 
can you make it to the finals? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think I think the Eastern Conference Finals is their ceiling. And it, it I mean, as much as I love watching Philadelphia sports fans suffer, and I absolutely genuinely do like I, I want that I want them to, to have some success, but it's I don't know. I don't know. Cavs, I, I feel like we've talked about the Cavs a lot on this podcast. Uh, Ethan, any like changing thoughts on the Cavs after the way they played for like the past months? Because I do feel like it was like Donovan Mitchell's seventy-one point game, Cavs hype through the roof. But I do feel like through the some of like these weird games where like Donovan Mitchell's kind of been on and off, like load management over the past month basically and like some weird games where like Jared Allen carries them to victories and like they like a few weird losses here and there I do feel like the Cavs hype is kind of dying what do you think about them right now where they stand yeah I mean I was high on Cleveland before the year and I think that the Cavs I would have liked to see them make a trade at the deadline for another like three and D wing, maybe they have like salaries like Karis Levert and Jetty Osmond that they could have used, but this is the team that they're going to rock out with. Um, I think that maybe the front office has kind of been like, they have a long window because they have a super young team and everybody's under contract. So they're going to be contenders for like five, six more years, assuming that everybody sticks around. So I think that they're kind of just waiting for the right moment to, to make the big run. They're obviously already a really good team. I, I really like Mitchell. Um, and I, you know, I just think he's still underrated this season. Like, like what he's been doing for them. I just, it's just so much better than anything he ever did in Utah for some reason. I just feel like he fits so much better with what they have there. Um, and I, I'm excited to see how he looks in the postseason with this roster. Um, I, I don't think they're a title contender at this point, but I think they're very close. And um, I would be surprised if they didn't at least make a finals run within the next like four to five seasons. I think you're totally right. And, and yeah, I, I, Eric, I don't know if it's necessarily that the hype has died down. I, I think that might be uh, a little bit of your casual showing there. Because uh, I, I think, I mean, they, they've they garnered a lot of praise. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, I think the reason he's playing so much better there, or at least we perceive him to be playing so much better there, is because it's so much more spread out of a of a system and of a roster. In, in Utah, the whole deal was it's it's Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and that's the system. But in Cleveland, like you said, Eric, like there's there's nights where Jared Allen can be the carry or Mobley can be the carry or Garland can be the carry or Levert can pop off and have a crazy night. And like, I, I think that's a sign of a great team. I agree. I, I think my prediction for the Cavs this year, they they have kind of a surprise upset uh, of, a, of a really good team and make it to the second round where they're where they take an unceremonious exit. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. They are playing the long game here. They're playing two, three, four years. Their entire goal right now should be to keep everybody on this roster happy, keep them all together, get another year of coaching in, get another year of this and that. They have the, the contract buyout of Kevin Love, so they'll have they'll have space to put somebody there. I think this year, what their their playoff run will be is auditioning for some big disgruntled star to come in and be that piece that moves them over the edge. Why does it make sense for them to buy out Kevin Love? To me, that makes no sense. You are I, a really young team that if you made the playoffs could use that playoff veteran. Like, 
why are you just going to let him walk to an Eastern Conference contender? Why not just say, hey, man, come grit it out with us and have some fun and, like, let's see if we can make some noise this year. To me, that that move makes no sense. A contender buying out one of their better veteran players when they need good veteran players just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, Ethan, I, I'd love to hear your opinion on this too, but, like, I, I, I think it's just because he doesn't, makes sense for the system they're building. I think they have a lot of really good up and coming young players at his position that they want to give minutes to and give time to. And I think he has been absolutely grinding it out the last couple of years. And I have no doubt that his, his, uh, you know, training and, and, and tutelage has been great for those young players. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, he, he wants, he wants to win another title before he wraps up. And um, I, I agree. They should have tried to trade him, but also, I don't know if there's a good trade market for a guy like that, especially when everybody is like, all right, well, he, if you know, we'll just wait till the off season. Like we don't need him that bad. So I, I think it, I think it's frustrating to see as a fan, but makes sense from a basketball perspective. What do you think, Ethan? Yeah. I mean, the reporting that was, has been done is that Kevin Love, like the buyout wasn't on the table a month ago, but then he got benched, removed from the rotation. I, there was rumors he's beefing with the coaching staff um and and you know if he wasn't playing he wanted to find somewhere else he could play so i mean it sounds like he put the front office in a tough spot and because he stuck around they kind of rewarded him with you know letting him get out of his deal a couple months early um so i guess it kind of makes sense from that perspective he could have been useful to them in terms of a playoff run but you know the dude's getting older he's not the player he was before i think he's still really good and i think he's going to help miami he's a guy that i wish my warriors could have gotten in on because i think he would have fit really well there um but you know I, I ultimately i don't think it really moves the needle for them one way or the other i think for the most part it was kind of the, just them doing a solid for a guy who has given a lot to the franchise they wanted to kind of just let him get a jump start on free agency and you know get out of his contract a couple months early so yeah, I agree. I think it was a, a gesture of goodwill from a franchise that he's he's given a lot of years to and a lot of his prime to and could yeah. have done this exact move years ago. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's a it's a thank you gift. All right. Let's move to the West. I'll preface this by saying let's just assume every roster in the West is healthy. Let's just assume that people get healthy throughout and everyone's got their players back. So Warriors have staff back, like Suns, KD comes back. And let's just assume that both those players come back with like two weeks left to play in a regular season and both get two weeks to kind of gel with the team and play like six games, basically. Well, KD will be back before that Suns-wise. Sorry to interject there, but... yeah, I, I, Curry should be maybe another week or two, but he'll have at least a month, assuming no different injury procs up, so... Okay, yeah. Let me just ask you about that, Ethan. Are you worried? Because it, it does seem like he just keeps <clears throat> picking up, like, that shoulder injury. I watched a replay on that. That's so weird. I mean, he's just reaching for a ball. Like, yeah, it feels it just like he's got a weird wrong time. It feels like he's got some, like, weird, like, injury juju going on over the past, like, year and a half at this point now. And, it like, it, 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 I'm starting to kind of worry. Is he just, like... Is this like just who he is now? Like, is I mean, just, Steph, like, this was it was not like this early in his career. It, it was with the ankle. Like, I don't. It, it's been a long time since then. Um, but he had nagging ankle injuries at the start of his career. That's why he was on a cheap contract that allowed them to sign KD. 
Um, so, you know, Steph has never been like a beacon of health. He's always tended to be healthy at the right times. And if he's not, he plays through injury. I mean, we can talk about 2016. He wasn't that great in that playoff run. It was because of the knee thing that he was dealing with. Um, even this last year, he missed the last like two weeks leading up to the playoffs, came off the bench in the Nuggets series. Um, but, you know, he played the best ball of his career in last postseason. So, you know, Steph's about to be 35. He, you know, he's got a lot of miles on his body. There's been a ton of deep playoff runs. So, you know, obviously you're always concerned about health for a guy of his age and his size. Um, but, you know, if he's not healthy, the Warriors are going nowhere. Like it's, that's just cut and dry. Like it, it's not a debate. So, and I love that you brought that up too. Cause like people, people forget that. Uh, I mean, rightly so because of all the championships, but he, he, that's who he was for the first several years of his career was a pretty decent guard whose ankle injuries kept him from becoming who he ended up becoming. And luckily for him, you're right. He got healthy, not even necessarily got healthy, but got healthy at just the right times. And obviously had an incredible team around him and an incredible system and is a phenomenal all-time level player. Um, but yeah, like, I think you're right. Like the, the age is, is going to catch up to every player. And I think for somebody with an injury history like that, it's going to hit especially hard. So, I mean, and luckily for, for you, you know, you have the kind of the same privilege as a Warriors fan as I, as I have as a, as a Spurs fan, maybe not recently, but like, if this is the end, so be it. You know, you've got, you yep. couldn't have asked for a better run these yep. past, you know, almost 10 years now. Uh, but yeah, you hope it doesn't, you hope it ends uh, not, not like this. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like I said this after they won the title last year, like if they don't win another one, I'll be content with the way that everything went. Um, Warriors Twitter is always going to clamor for them to make more moves and more moves and surround the team with as much talent as possible, because I think they owe that to Steph Curry. You owe that to every all-time level player, you know, in the last couple of years of their career. Um, you know, Steph is still playing at such a high level that, that the Warriors need to do everything they can to get him as many rings as they can. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, he got four, um, and, and, you know, you have to be happy with the career that he had. Um, top 10 all-time player in my opinion. So um, I hope they can ever, ever lace them up. Absolutely. I hope that they can get, you know, maybe one more ring, maybe two at most. Um, But the guys are old now and, you know, it's just got to be what it is. So, yeah. Wow. That makes me feel Steph Curry, sneaky old, 34 years old. Yeah. Like he's not like, like he's entering like late prime here. Like, we got so used to all those years straight of, of Warriors in the finals that it, it feels like, I mean, and even still, like they were still there, you know, they still won a title, like, but like, it's still, you know, like it's, it's going to be, it, it's weird that that era is in some ways in the rear view, even if they, you know, managed to win one or two more, that era of lights out dominance isn't there. Yeah. Uh, largely because they, they made the league change to adapt to them, uh, which is something that I think, you know, like they don't get enough credit for is literally altering the entire way that teams scout and, and get free agents and play basketball. Yeah. But Eric, to your original question about like if everybody's healthy, I think I mean, that's the thing, though, is like that that's a huge caveat to put on. But like if if everybody's healthy, I think the Suns blow through the the playoffs and get themselves a ring uh, like that. That's the huge if they made. And, and I've been dying to talk about this with you all because I wasn't here for the for the free agency deadline. Crazy that the Suns picked up KD. It still doesn't feel real. I, every time I hear like them say like, oh yeah, okay, like I'll, I'll watch the Suns game and in the injury report, Kevin Durant's listed in there and it's like, holy shit, this guy's on our fucking team. Like, and, and it's even like less real because he's not like, right, he's not, like not on the court yet. So it's like, did this actually happen? It looks like, I mean, this whole trade deadline was like a 2K trade machine. People getting 
five first round, second round picks, like crazy stuff. I, I'm really sad to see the Suns give up Mikhail and Cam, but you know, hopefully it's a worthy investment. I I I I understand how as an owner, as a GM, if that opportunity is on the table, especially as the Phoenix Suns to get KD, you have to take it. But man, if we if we can't get healthy in the playoffs and can't make a run, a serious run at a at a title, this might be looked back on as one of the biggest fuck ups of a trade, especially if Mikhail Bridges continues to become a superstar. I my biggest question with the Suns. And why I still ultimately think Denver's the best team in the West is who on the Suns is going to defend. Like, I get it. KD can be that guy when he wants to in the playoffs. But, like, Chris Paul is not a great defender. Devin Booker is not a great defender. DeAndre Ayton is not a great defender. Like, what are we going to do when the team runs into, like, like, are they just going to outshoot out literally everyone? I just, I don't like. Yeah. What, what What's going to happen, like, when the Nuggets come in there and, like, Jamal Murray is like, okay, I'm going to give you, like, two or three 40-point games. And Michael Porter Jr., who has played really well over the last two weeks, gives you, like, one 30-point game. Like, what are you going to do then? Like, I, 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 to me, the West goes through Denver. I understand the Suns have Kevin Durant, but it's just like, uh, it's crazy. I I think you're right. They do. It does run through Denver. Go, go ahead. I think it's just hard to say what the Suns are going to look like because we haven't seen the team yet. Like it's, it's a completely different team than what they had two weeks ago. I mean, just like looking at the depth chart, it's like, okay, like Josh Okogie and Tori Craig are like pretty decent defensive wings, but like those are the guys you're relying on. Like, okay. Um, you know, KD, not the defender he was in the past, but he's had good moments. So I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see what the roster looks like. Sometimes guys crop up that end up making a bigger impact than you might think. So yeah. I'm just waiting to see the basketball team. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe we should put a pin in the Suns and revisit them in a couple weeks. Because, yeah, you're right. It, it's it's impossible to evaluate them until we've seen at least a couple games with the full squad. All right. You got to get out of here, Audrey. So I want to do this. Rapid fire. Everyone just say three teams and then like two sentences on those teams. I'll start here. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. I, I uh, saw the news of a Russell Westbrook signing, quote tweeted it and said, Congratulations to the Clippers for qualifying for the playing game. Like, like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, the most anemic, worst-looking half-court offense of all time just added the most anemic iso ball half-court player of all time in Russell Westbrook. How is that going to work? How is that going to work? I think that is an egregious take. I think the Clippers are extremely good basketball team and adding Russ in when he doesn't have to be like a big scorer and you can give him a specific role. I think the Clippers are mad underrated. They have a monster roster. Their pickups in free agency were huge or the the trade deadline, uh, adding Bones Highland and Mason Plumlee and functionally only giving up John Wall for it, who wasn't getting significant minutes anyway. I think the Clippers are a force to be reckoned with. And I think you're dead wrong. I think Russell... This is the type of situation that Russell needs to be in where he's given a specific role and isn't expected to be like 
the third piece of a super team. Like, I, I think I totally I think disagree. I think this team is going to crumble down the stretch. That's just me, though. Um, we'll see if Ty Lue has the balls to bench him. That's all I'm going to say. If Ty Lue yeah. benches him down the stretch of games, then I think it can work. But We'll see. The other Los Angeles team, the Lakers. Okay, the whole last three games before the All-Star game, so weird, so incredibly weird that LeBron just straight up didn't play two of your most cru- crucial games. Like, and then played in the All-Star game? Like, what? Like, that makes absolutely zero sense to me to me the lakers have no choice but to go on like a five to seven game winning streak coming out of this break or it's over for them it's just straight up over for them because that that's just the reality of where we are because i hate to say it but the third team i'll talk about here the thunder are good the thunder are frisky and good and playing with confidence and if you say shea gilgis alexander like play a year ahead of schedule win us like they are something crazy like 19 and 6 over the past month. They like do not sleep on the thunder. This team could like get up to as high as the seven or eight seed. And I I really do think that they're gonna be a team to watch coming down the stretch here. I, I agree. I think I think my little spiel about the Lakers is that they had a very good trade deadline um that made some very key improvements in the roster that they desperately needed. Did it make them a championship team? Hell no. Did it make them a playoff team? Maybe. But like, yeah, they're not doing anything significant. And I think the fact that LeBron didn't play those games is a signal for him that he knows that too. And that this like this season was about the scoring title for him, I think. I don't think he has any expectations of, of the title, especially after how that first half went. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with the Lakers, Eric. Um, they should be eyeing the Thunder and the Blazers. Those are the three teams for the last play-in spot. Yep. I think the top nine teams in the conference are certainly going to at least make the play-in. Um, the Jazz are, are falling out of it. So it's OKC, the Blazers, and the Lakers. And the Lakers just have to keep pace with, with Oklahoma City. If they can, they're going to be in. But Sneaky, we'll I will say, Bo, the Jazz do keep winning. Despite trying to lose now, they do just keep winning. So, like, keep They will try out. harder to lose down the stretch of the season. I can promise yeah. you that. Yeah, post-all-star break, they'll, they'll start locking it up. Yeah. All right. I did just want to say I'm excited for the Magic to get, like, another dude because they're going to make mm-hmm. it. They're Magic be, is so fun to watch. You, you be, stole my team. You stole my team, Eric. They're, they're going to be pretty pretty spicy in about a year uh that's just that's what i think yep when you when you were talking about bad team that will might be sneaky good next year the magic are are, are going to be that team that i mean they're already like not bad they're only a couple games out of the play and they might you know fuck around and make a run yeah so we'll see <laughs> the 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 magic the pacers and the kings went from unwatchable to extremely entertaining in the matter of like a season and a half and I will say I dogged on the Pacers Kings trade that sent uh, Sabonis uh, over to the Kings and sent Halliburton over to the Pacers, and it seemed like a lateral move and like the what the hell. But every player seems to be a thousand percent better in their new destination and fitting and gelling really well. It, it's a blast to watch. That's my favorite. My favorite part of picking up League Pass is that I'm watching a lot more like Kings and like Pacers and Magic games that I ever ever would have normally, and it's. They're they're awesome. They might not win much, but they're awesome to watch. Also, I will just say, I know we say this every offseason, but like this is the year to do it, James Stolen. If you have picks, like 
if someone gets disgruntled this summer, and I guarantee you someone will get disgruntled this summer, this is the time for the Knicks to chase the superstar. Because I know everyone hates giving the Knicks credit, but they have been a pretty good basketball team over the past month. And Jalen Brunson is very good. And if you gave him another star, you could legitimately be a team that was competing with Philadelphia and Milwaukee and Boston in the Eastern Conference. If there's a time to swing big for the fences this offseason, if someone becomes available like Dame or something like that, like go get that player because yeah. like you, you have the team now that you could compete very quickly. If you got another star. Yeah. The, the, the number one key to success for the Knicks, I think is to stop pretending like Julius Randall is that guy. Uh, you know, to pour the cold water on your face, it's it's not. He, he's a great piece. He's a fine addition to a team. It's very clear at this point, he's not that second piece. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. They need somebody to to put in there. And if that's at the expense of Randall, I don't think the front office should be afraid to do that because I don't I don't know how what what they think is going to happen with a Brunson Randall duo. But it's certainly not an NBA title. All right, let's talk again maybe next weekend. Yeah. And uh, NBA back on Thursday. Thank you so much to both of you. Thanks for, for having us. Me. And Appreciate uh, it. We will, we'll see you next time. Aramis hopefully back with us as well. We will see you then. Peace out. Sweet. Bye.